Good morning, Cornerstone. Good to see everyone here. Um, today's scripture reading comes from Jonah 1, and I'll be reading from the ESV. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God, and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had laid down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give, us, will give a thought to us that we may not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation, and where do you come from? What is your country, and of what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this that you have done? For the men knew he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you, that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. He said to them, Pick me up and hurl me into the sea, then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not on us innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. This is the word of the Lord. All right, thank you. Good morning, everyone. Good to see you all here today. Uh, I'm Pastor Paul. I'm one of the pastors. I'm the youth pastor here at the church, and it's uh, great to share God's word with you. Uh, we'd like to especially welcome you if you're somewhat new or visiting. Um, we would hope that you stick around afterwards. We'd love to chat with you and get to know you a little bit better as well. And so we hope and pray that uh, as we worship together today, we are renewed by God's Spirit and that we would um, yeah, worship the Lord our God together on this day. So we're beginning a new series uh, through the book of Jonah. So we've read the first chapter and the book of Jonah is very uh, fascinating because it is unlike any other book of prophecy uh, in the Bible. So we see Jonah is a prophet, but this book is a book about 
a prophet, a, a narrative, a story about what Jonah is doing. Uh, all the other books of prophecies in the Bible are from the perspective of the prophet themselves. And so the prophets are speaking and writing from a first-person point of view, but here we have a story about Jonah. And as a result, there is some debate about uh, the historicity of Jonah, whether the story is in- indeed a, a real story, and some think it may be more of a parable, like Jesus said parables in the New Testament. Some people believe that this may be a parable. But I believe that most of the evidence points to the fact that this is truly a historical account. And many argue that this is um, historical as well. But others who argue that this is more of a parable argue so because of uh, the main uh, category of literature that this story is, which is a satire. This is a book of satire. Jonah is someone that we can basically laugh at for how ridiculous his circumstances are. Um, Even from our first chapter, we see um, how exaggerated everything is. It is over the top. Most pointedly, we see at the end of chapter one, he is swallowed up by a fish at the end. And so again, we can understand why people view this story more allegorically or as a parable. But we see that Jesus in Matthew chapter 12 treated this book as a historical event. And he says this in verse 41 of Matthew 12, the men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah. We see Jesus proclaiming what happened in Nineveh to be indeed true. So for me, I always like to say, if it's good enough for Jesus, it is good enough for me. So that is how um, I view this book of Jonah. So historically, we know that Jonah was actually a real person. Uh, we see him in other part, another part of the Bible in 2 Kings, and we see that he prophesied during the rule of Jeroboam II, uh, which, uh, and he was the ruler of the northern kingdom of Israel after the divide, divide, the divide happened between the, the, uh, the unified kingdom. And so that was all around 780 B.C. And the, the kingdoms divided around 980 B.C., so just around 200 years after the divide. This is all happening a little bit before the Assyrians take over Israel, which was the biggest, most powerful kingdom at that time. And that's actually where Nineveh is located. Nineveh is located in Assyria. And we see God commands Jonah to go there. And Nineveh was at the time the most significant city in Assyria. And instead of answering God's call, he tries to escape his call and and the command of God and goes to Tarshish instead, which was probably west of the Mediterranean Sea, meaning that he is fleeing to the opposite direction that he should be going. Tarshish is inland, and he's going in the opposite direction by sea on the Mediterranean. And so that is the theme of our message today, running from God. So let's pray and ask the Lord to help us understand his word today. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we pray and ask that your word would speak to us, that you would help us to see um, your truth through this word and through this story of Jonah. God, may we encounter your spirit and your truth here today, and may it transform us. Uh, may it lead us to see more of Christ, O oh Lord. God, thank you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Um, I don't know how common it is, but we hear, always hear stories about people running, running away from home. And I'm curious, does anyone like, try to run away from home here? Anyone like, really try? Maybe a couple of you? So actually, I kind of tried to run away. I, I say kind of because it wasn't really a true attempt. Uh, I was actually in grade school. I think I was in like third or fourth grade. And I remember just thinking, I just remember uh, I was really upset about something. It was probably something really silly, uh, something about my parents not letting me do something or like probably not being allowed to like watch TV or play video games or something like that. Or they made me practice piano or something. But I remember I was so upset and so angry that I grabbed my basketball um, and I didn't tell anybody where I was going and I just ran off without telling my grandma, anybody who I lived with at the time. And I made it far as my school playground of all places, which was actually um, like a five-minute walk from where I lived. And I was determined at that time to stay there indefinitely. I was going to stay there until, who knows, until my parents came looking for me. Um, but like the story of Jonah, it actually started raining. And I did not have an umbrella. And so I re realizing that I did not want to be drenched in the rain, for hours on end, I sheepishly walked home. And actually, nobody even realized I ran away. So I don't know <laughs> if that's truly running away from home. But I know people run away from home for different reasons. Uh, I ran away because I didn't, wanna, uh, I didn't get what I wanted, and I thought it was extremely unfair. Others run away from home to avoid a dangerous or unsafe situation. Others run away because they feel ashamed for what they've done. Um, and they do, they do not want to face the consequences of what they've done. John, Jonah runs away as well. And now the exact reason at this point is not quite clear, but he was called by God to go somewhere and do something, and he refused to obey. So I think this applies to all of us. We run from God. We run from God. For us as Christians, if we believe in Christ as our Lord and Savior, if we seek to follow him, and, and obey his commands. We know how foolish it is to run from God. We know that God is our creator. He created us. He is the one who saved us from sin in Jesus Christ. God is the one who gives us true life, true peace, and hope, and love. And running away from God, as we see in Scripture, his word never leads to anything good. Running away never leads to anything good. We see that in his word over and over. We see this in the story of Jonah. We know it doesn't lead to anything good, but, it, but we still do it anyway. We still run away from God. And the reason we see here in our passage, is at least with Jonah, he disagrees with God's command. Jonah flees from God because he did not want to follow God's command, and he took issue with it, so he refused to obey. And I think we can relate to that as well. We have a hard time sometimes reconciling God's command with our own desires, with our own thoughts. Our own desires lead us to run from God. Perhaps we do not like how God commands us to give our money to, to the Lord or to those in need. Instead, maybe we want to use it all for ourselves. Perhaps some of us struggle with some sin and we're hoping that God will not notice us or will leave us alone and not address the sin in our hearts. Perhaps we don't love others like we should love them. Maybe you're not as kind or warm or affectionate as you should be to certain people, especially to those who may be different 
from you or maybe outcasted. The commandments that I know that many people struggle to reconcile in their hearts in our recent times is one, are ones related to sexual ethics. Right? The idea that marriage is to be between a man and a woman, that sex is to be had in the context of a covenantal marriage, that God created us all in his image, both male and female. Right? We live in a culture where um, believing in the biblical view of sexuality and marriage basically makes you an outcast. Uh, perhaps even some people we call you bigoted or prejudiced. It's one of the topics that come up the most as a pastor who ministers to young people. But I encourage you all to trust in the Lord, trust in his word. Because yes, his commandments regarding sexuality are very different from what the culture tells us is good. And in many ways, it'll cause people or the world to hate us. However, Paul encourages us in Romans 12, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And Jesus himself says in John 15, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own, but because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world. Therefore, the world hates you. We do not belong to the world, but we have been chosen out of the world. And that means the world may indeed hate us. And so let us cling to Christ and the truth and not run away from the truth just because the world may hate us. We live for the kingdom above. We live for our Lord. And that is enough brothers and sisters. So Jonah disobeys God for a reason as well. Now, like I said earlier, we're not exactly sure what that reason is, but we can infer some things. So let's look at why he took issue with God's command here. Like I mentioned uh, a little earlier also, Nineveh is the biggest city in the biggest kingdom at the time. And the Assyrian kingdom, uh, based on historical context, what we know is that they were a truly evil kingdom like most big kingdoms are. They are the enemies of Israel. But now God is calling Jonah, a prophet, to go preach to these enemies. Right? Jonah knows that when he goes to call them out of their evil ways, that God may forgive them, that God may restore them if they really repent. So if we read between the lines here, we say that Jonah, Jonah doesn't really want any part in that. He doesn't want them to be restored. He doesn't want them to be forgiven. He wants them to be destroyed. And he knows if he preaches to these people and if they repent, God is a God who forgives. God will forgive. And he doesn't want them to get that opportunity. And we also see this tension that, uh, between the nations in this historical context, between these people groups which naturally, lead, naturally leads to a sense of pride, ethnic pride, of nationalism. The Syrians and the Jews were not ethnically the same. And in verse 9, we get a sense that Jonah has a lot of ethnic pride. You know, the sailors uh, have casted lots at this point, and, and they realize, you know, Jonah is the problem. You know, God has providentially shown that Jonah is the reason why they're in this mess. And so the mariners or sailors, they interrogate Jonah. What have you done? 
right? Who are you? And who, who is this God you serve that has brought this storm into their midst? And the first thing that he says is very, um, is, is very revealing. And he says, I am a Hebrew, right? He reveals his ethnic identity first, right? It's asking, who are you, Paul? I am Korean or I am American, right? That is the first thing that he says who he is. Before identifying himself as a prophet of God, he says, I am a Hebrew. Then he says afterwards, I fear the God of heaven. It's significant that his ethnic identity, again, is stated first. And this is all in the backdrop of him not wanting to go to Nineveh, an enemy of Israel. His, his race and ethnicity are more foundational to him at this point than his faith. And for us, it may not be our race or ethnicity necessarily, but we have a hard time reconciling God's commands with our own created identities, whatever that might be. Our self-created identities lead us to run from God. Now, perhaps it is for you, your race, your ethnicity, right? And that is why we have this theme this year, demolishing barriers of the heart for a reason, because we know that's something that we struggle with, right? Not just as Asians, but as human beings. We look throughout human history on how race and ethnicity has caused so much tension in our world, so much strife and war. So I ask you to consider taking the cross-cultural initiative that we started seriously to seek to get to know someone already in your sphere, your circle, and be intentional about breaking down those barriers. Because our ethnic or racial identity is not what is most important about us. Of course, it is important. It is part of who you are. Don't get me wrong. Your culture, your traditions, they all have value. They connect us as human beings, but they are not the most important thing. But nowadays, it's not just our ethnic or racial identities that matter to us. That might have been for a time that may have been some of our, one of our primary identities, but we live in a society where there are so many other things that can define who we are. For some of us, it could be our hobbies. It could be our love for anime or volleyball, right? Or for others, it's our school or work or our grades, our successes. Those can be our primary self-created identities. You know, all of these identities we create for ourselves, we do so because we try to find fulfillment in these things. The world tells us that focusing on ourselves will give us this fulfillment. But in reality, all of these identities tend to fail us because they seem so temporary, so fickle, so meaningless. And so what is our true identity? Or where can we find our true identity? And our true identity is actually what Jonah said after he said, I am a Hebrew. Our identity is found in someone else, something outside of ourselves, something outside of what we create for ourselves. He says, I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. We fear the Lord because he is in charge. He is our creator. He created us in his image according to Genesis 1. That means we are to live according to his commands and to reflect him. But we obviously fail to do so by sinning against him, beginning um, in that very garden where God created us. And we could only be saved from sin through a mediator, 
through God himself sending his son, Jesus Christ, for us, who is, as both man and God, out of his love, sacrificed himself to satisfy the justice of God. We see that here, actually, in Jonah as well. We, we see Jonah begins to understand what his true identity is in God because he was actually willing to sacrifice himself and be hurled into the sea. And once he's hurled into the sea, the storm calms, it ceases, and God's wrath is satisfied. Jonah's actions foreshadow the actions of Jesus himself. But Jesus completely satisfies God's wrath. Not just temporarily, he does so completely, fully. And he does it through his death. And he claims victory over sin and death by his resurrection. And so it is through the death and resurrection of Christ that we no longer have to receive that punishment. But instead we now receive eternal life. That is our true identity that we are sinners saved by grace. And now we are adopted as the family of God. We are children of God in Jesus. That is who we are. That is our identity. You know, brothers and sisters, uh, if you are running from God, remember that no matter how difficult his commands are, and no matter how alluring these other identities may be out in the world. God is the one who has given us everything. God has given us salvation. He created us. And may this story of Jonah be a warning to us that when we run away, God may send a storm. God may send a storm, and and that is how sometimes God chases after us, sending storms in our life. It may not be pleasant at times, He may allow you to go through some struggle or difficulty in your life or trial. But it is all for your good and for his glory. And so perhaps some of us are Christians running from God. And others of you, maybe you've never believed in God. And I hope and pray that all of us will see, like Jonah eventually did, that running away from God is futile. Running away from God is futile. Just like the prodigal son in Luke 15, running away from his father, running away from God can only brings us misery. We live long enough and we realize that running away from God only leads to misery. But just like in that story of the prodigal son, we have a father who has his arms open wide, who is waiting to receive us, to hug us, because we are the children of God. And the way to stop running from our God is to embrace Jesus Christ, to embrace our identity as sinners saved by grace through Jesus' death and resurrection, that we have become adopted children. And once we embrace Christ, we can embrace his commandments as well. We can embrace all that he has told us to do, and we can obey what he has told us to do. We can go and live as, as children of God to be the light of Christ wherever we go. So let us run to Christ. Run to Christ 
and embrace him and embrace his commands. And may this amazing truth of grace and love, may this capture all of your hearts. You know, this can only be done by the work of the Spirit in you. And so that is our hope and prayer, that the Spirit is working in all of your hearts, that you would see Christ for who he truly is, that all of you would embrace him, embrace him and embrace all of his commands that he has, because that is what leads to true life. May this amazing truth of grace and love capture all of us so that instead of running away from God, that we would run to him and find our true home in him. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that God, um, you have shown us in this story that, Lord, even for ourselves, we run away. We run away because we do not want to obey you. We do not want to obey your commands. We may disagree with your commands. But God, help us to see, as Jonah did, that running away from you is futile. It is hopeless without you. And that, God, we need to embrace all that you have for us. Ultimately, that is Jesus Christ embracing who he is and what he has done for us. Help us, O oh God, to run to you, run to Christ, so that we can be the children of you, living as followers of you. O oh, Heavenly Father, we know that our hearts are sinful, that we come up with reasons as to why we want to run away. I pray, God, that all of us here would be convicted of our sin, convicted of the ways in which we have tried to run away, and realize, Lord, that it is really futile to do so. Help us to realize that we need instead to embrace you and embrace Christ, that all we need is found in you alone. Help us, God. Help us to confess, repent, of the ways in which we run away, and may we find our home in you. Help us here today. Help Cornerstone to find you, O Lord, to find Christ. We thank you for what Christ has done. We thank you for your continued blessing upon us. And we pray that you will show your love and grace to us here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.